time being, shortly after 5.30, I'll call the October 11th meeting of the Joint Budget Subcommittee to order. Uh, and I'll start with just saying, unfortunately, our TV people have not shown up, but we are on Zoom. So if you want to uh, jump on the Zoom link, uh, please do. And again, I'll read all the data that needs to be read. All citizens are welcome to attend public board and committee meetings in person. Meetings are also live streamed and archived by Franklin TV on Franklin Town Hall TV YouTube channel. Meetings are also shown live, well, sometimes live, <laughs> and on repeat on Comcast Channel 9 and Verizon Channel 29. In an effort to maximize citizen engagement opportunities, citizens are welcome to continue to participate remotely via phone or Zoom. And the call-in number is 929 205 6099 and the Zoom meeting ID is 852-4796-2991 then hit the pound sign. Once again the meeting ID is 852-4796-2991 then hit the pound sign. Okay, tonight's meeting uh, is kind of an update that uh, we promised that we would come back from our August meeting. We'd come back in October and give you as much of an update as we have. Uh, and that's our plan for, for this evening. Jamie's got a uh, short update on revenues. And I know Lucas has a few slides on an update from the school uh, part of our uh, municipality. So, yeah. Jamie, you want to lead off? Yeah, sure. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman, and uh, through you to the committee. Um, it's funny, you don't know what you missed until it's gone. There's no screens. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you me don't what know what you got. It's just strange to look around and think we're not seeing all these other things. Gotten so used to it, but. I just first, uh, Mr. Chairman and the committee, I just wanted to uh, note uh, Lauren Nagel over here um, to our right. Um, uh, she's a member of the Finance Committee, was just appointed. At our last Finance Committee member uh, meeting, uh, the committee adopted four uh, folks to be members of the Joint Budget Subcommittee. So uh, Lauren was great when asked, first person to respond right up. So she's looking forward to it. Um, maybe someday we'll encourage her to be a member of the staff too. <laughs> uh, but. Um, I just wanted to give everybody a quick update um, on some dates, some numbers, trends. Uh, for those that are not uh, usually participating at this level of the budget, it's great to see so many faces out here and on Zoom. Um, every year we do a quarter one update, right? So that's July, August, September is really quarter one. Um, and we check in on revenues, we check in on local receipts, we check in on trends. Typically, we do these updates at the Finance Committee, right, Mr. Conley? Sure. Um, but seeing as how we're getting uh, everybody together, which is wonderful, uh, everybody can learn some of the same information. So uh, I'm just giving a brief uh, update um, at the FY24 budget. Um, I just want to make sure everybody, I put the disclaimer out there. Um, people think when we approve the budget in June, 
we have all that revenue, it's all there, um, all the expenditures are great, but the rest of the team, um, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, is constantly looking at the budget and managing uh, the public's money. So any items discussed tonight, um, I just wanna make sure everybody realizes these are not final, okay? Um, um, this is just a prospectus and looking at what we've been seeing for the last uh, few months. The next dates, just so folks can mark their calendars, um, on November 8th uh, will be the next finance committee mem uh, meeting. At that meeting, I anticipate um, we will, the finance committee will review the FY24 budget adjustment, which we do, just so people know, we do this every year. Thank you, Sue, for nodding, because you've been through these, but we do this every year. This is in small towns, people call this a special town meeting. So. Uh, we do this every single year. This is not something uncommon. Um, and uh, we'll go through the state revenues in a minute. But for example, the state budget never gets done until later in the summer. And so usually in the fall, we readjust all the numbers and we make any other tweaks um, based on the situations that before. November 15th will be the town council meeting that will act uh, hopefully on the recommendation of the finance committee on the 8th. And then we are anticipating a little earlier than normal tax rate setting hearing this year, which will be November 22nd, uh, which is a Tuesday. Uh, due to some scheduling conflicts, that date has to get moved. And also there are some legal requirements with the Department of Revenue. Um, you can't just wait forever to do a tax rate hearing. There's a certain time frame at which we have. Um, and so we anticipate that night being uh, on November 22nd. After the tax rate is set, just for everybody's edification, um, FY24 is then just in motion for the rest of the year and we pretty much pivot in December to FY25 budget development um, and so hopefully that gives everybody a good sense of the next couple months um, uh, uh, the schedule. Jamie and then we come back in June to make any final adjustments yep. that need to be made on the 24 budget. Exactly the FY24 budget if there's any deficits which i will get to sadly in a moment um, in the revenue projections um, then we come back to look at ways to patch the budget or uh, do budget transfers um, and we've been very fortunate for a bunch of years where we really haven't had to do a lot of budget transfers um, which is a good sign uh, for many reasons so uh, that's the opening piece uh, the next piece is uh, the bad news is uh, the board of assessors are uh, pretty much certainly going to downgrade the new growth projection for the fiscal year. So uh, we're anticipating uh, a $270,000 downgrade in revenue on new growth from what we've budgeted. So for those who have not read my budget narratives for the last five years, and for those who have not read Mr. Nutting's budget narratives even before that, don't go back and read it. Um, you'll hear us talk a lot about new growth. Um, Council Hammond and Councilor Fragillo with Steve Sherlock have also done eight episodes uh, online. If you're looking for a deep dive into new growth, those podcasts are up. Um, they're incredibly helpful for people to understand new growth, but I don't think it's a big shock to anybody with interest rates being high um, and the market being, and the risk in the marketplace, homeowners, private homeowners, um, as well as larger businesses, 
um, are just simply not making the investments in private property um, that is making those numbers uh, uh, higher. We had a couple of record-breaking years during the pandemic, um, and those record-breaking years were due to the fact that before the pandemic, projects for both the homeowner as well as, as, well as business community. Um, that was odd. That was odd. Oh, you just have to turn off, just the, turn off the, the, the computer speaker. We're coming live right right again. Very soon. Very soon. Oh. Oh. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. <laughs> okay. Let's just give it a second. Sure. Because once we sh shut that off until that comes on, nobody's going to be able to hear anything. Chris, everybody's waiting on you, my friend. No pressure. He's so focused. No pressure at all, Chris. Okay, uh, we'll come back to order and I'll welcome people who are watching on TV now. And for the Zoom people, I apologize. We had a little technical difficulty here, uh, but we are back. Uh, on Zoom, live, not Memorex, and uh, <laughs> yeah, there's probably five people that know, <laughs> they know what Memorex no was. Sorry about that. He didn't do that. Jamie, take it away. <laughs> We're not doing audio cassettes anymore. Uh, so just a quick, for the folks at home, um, November 8th will be the Finance Committee uh, FY24 budget review. November 15th will be the town council FY24 budget review. And then uh, thanks to Rob, um, it's Tuesday, November 21st. Um, so as a day off, uh, it's Tuesday, November 21st will be the tax rate hearing. Uh, and then we pivot to uh, FY25 budget development. As I was just saying, um, we will be seeing a downgrade in revenue projections for the year and new growth by $270,000. Um, uh, local receipts uh, through quarter one just eked over the 25% um, like on the last day of September um, and just for people that don't know what those are you're talking about meals taxes ambulance receipts generally fees for service building permits um, generally speaking most of the revenues are okay a couple of causes for concern uh, our building fees uh, for the building department are down um, and not meeting projections yet, uh, as well as uh, the hotel tax. Um, hotel tax so far has met just about that projection, um, but that's through September 30th. And as everybody knows, uh, we're uncertain right now um, what the impact will be. We're waiting, I'm waiting till the last possible minute I can. Um, but there is the potential that due to the shelter, um, without the state making its commitment to the 6% local option meal, uh, hotel tax, and that's statewide. This isn't something they're just doing in Franklin. Um, you know, we, we, we can't really, I think, in good spirit, put revenue projection into the budget that we, we can't back up and commit somewhere. So uh, that is a concern of mine. Um, 
as I think everybody would expect. We've all been on the phone with Representative Roy, Senator Rausch. Um, you know, we're starting to see letters from the towns of Foxborough and a variety of other communities really pushing the governor, the administration, and the state on this. Um, I'm sure it's a very complicated legal issue, um, but it just doesn't feel fair or correct when towns have passed their budgets to then say we're not going to honor that. Um, at some point, I have to believe that the legislature and the governor will figure this out. Um, but as of right now, I just have to give everybody you know, the heads up. Um, you know, you, we could be losing a pretty significant amount of revenue. Granted, it's one out of four hotels that we have in town, so it's not like it's the whole uh, 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 pool of revenue, but um, again, not really a trend. There is another piece of that, which many communities are speaking to, that if the state can't commit to that, people also have to realize that if you have 80% occupancy at that hotel, those folks in that hotel are coming for homecoming weekends, they're going to concerts, they're going to hockey leagues, and then they eat out. And so there is another effect on meals tax and other local option taxes and revenue sources that are of concern that Amy and I have heard from a lot of our colleagues statewide um, bring this issue up to the legislature as well. Um, and so uh, we'll have to wait and see uh, on those issues. So. Uh, and finally, state aid, um, a very de minimis change from the final approved budget. Um, we will put in those final numbers, but for all intents and purposes, state aid stayed flat um, throughout almost the entire budget process. Uh, and when people say to me, well, why is Chapter 70 going up? Um, people can't just look at that one bullet point press release from somebody because the charter school assessment on the other side is then taking away a lot of that revenue and actually putting it more into the negative. So, um, as I said at many meetings, but just for the folks that are at home, um, we don't analyze state aid revenues just on chapter seven. So we don't just talk about the positive piece. There's a series of dozens of formulas in state law and in the budget that come out on what's called the cherry sheet. And we use the cherry sheet as our baseline. That's what every municipality does. So this isn't something um, that's different. Uh, I will say, um, I don't have before you tonight, I'm not gonna get into how to patch that budget gap. Um, I do wanna relay that I do believe that um, we will be able to patch this budget gap um, through some creative ways that will not have an impact on services. Uh, for example, just to highlight one, the tri-county assessment uh, for the school due to a, a smaller enrollment from Franklin will decrease. So the budget number that we had in the budget was well higher than what we actually have to pay. And it's about $100,000. So it's a, it's a fairly good chunk of money. Um, we're gonna be looking at the healthcare and the benefits line item, tightening up that based on, um, based on the actual benefits that people are taking. Um, and so we're gonna go in and crunch a number, sharpen the pencils up a little bit um, and go in there and, uh, and we'll present a balanced budget revision uh, to the Finance Committee on the 8th, and then the Council on the 15th. Um, and, uh, and so that's basically my update as of right now uh, on the high-level points. I know it's not good news, um, but we have predicted some of this coming. Um, it's been in the materials for years. Um, and I think when we enter into FY25, I think the harder pill to swallow is going to be the fact that we can obviously not count on new growth as robust of a revenue source as we have to get us through the pandemic years. Because all of those projects that came online during the, the lockdown years, they were already financed, they were permitted, 
there were crews on site, materials were ordered. So those projects just moved through, came online and helped the new growth. That's for the private residential homeowner as much as a commercial uh, a body. Obviously in today's marketplace, it's shifted quite dramatically, right? So um, happy to answer any questions. I know tonight, Mr. Chairman, um, the school uh, superintendent, school business administrator here, I think they have a few slides on their own budget update, which they presented, I think, to a sub, uh, school committee subcommittee recently. But before you move over there, I'm happy to enter, entertain any quick questions if folks have them. Certainly, thank you, Jamie. Any questions on the revenue piece from uh, for Jamie from the council or group? And how about from the council chamber's audience? Any questions out there in Zoom land? I can see again, so I can't see all of them, but I can see a bunch. I don't see. Do you see anything, Amy? I do not. Okay. All right. Uh, the next piece, I'll go to super, Superintendent Jaguar, who has a little bit of an update for us. As we promised in our audience. Yes. Sure. Great. Lucas, please. Good evening, everyone. Welcome. Thank you. Um, we will uh, let this warm up, but as we warm up, um, we left last meeting. I think the last meeting was August 25th. August um, 22nd. 22nd. Thank you. Second was? Yeah, it was early August. Wow. Time is flying. Um, so uh, we, you're right, it was because we had the re administrative retreat that. That, that day. Okay, so uh, we're here tonight to provide an update on where we left off last meeting. Um, as Jamie mentioned uh, during last meeting, you know this this work is detailed. It's comprehensive. It's in play with many other things. But what we wanted to do was provide information that we heard last meeting, and then some of the questions that I know are out there. And we we thought that um, by sharing some information tonight getting some questions, we can continue to build on the story and build on the budget of, of where we're at, where we aspire to be, and um, what it would, what it entails, and hopefully answer um, detailed questions on kind of how the, our budgets are kind of built and made. So here's just a brief overview. There's basically seven key points we hope to cover today. One is a very brief review of FY23 to just provide some brief context. Look at where we are today uh, with our budget. Uh, look at uh, current services, if they were to be funded through, and just project out uh, for next year, FY25. We then put a model together that just looks at a scenario if you, if, if you were funded at the state average, which is not, this is not a um, budget um, request evening. This is more about beginning this conversation and having uh, an engaged conversation now, but wanted to share that. Look at revenues over time from the school perspective and look at uh, a brief look at where we aspire to be as a district. And then um, there's a historical perspective, which we won't go through every piece, but we will share this document to try to provide. This was put together last year, and it just includes the, um, the uh, reductions, reallocations, expansions, and different things that have occurred throughout the district over the past two decades. And then we'll open it up to any questions um, as we continue the conversation. So just looking back at FY23, you'll see we've broken it down into the three main areas in which we look at funding sources. Um, as you've heard from, um, from Jamie, from, from, school, um, from school meetings, you have a town appropriation, you have Chapter 70 state aid. We have our revolving counts, which uh, encompass fees, 
and then we have grant funding, which occurred. So in FY23, we've broken this down. Some of these numbers may look familiar to those paying attention and looked in the past around um, the 70 million approximately from, with revenue to schools. They're looking at the 5.5 million in revolving and then grant funding at 2.1. So this is just a breakdown. I'm not gonna belabor this particular slide. It's looking back as we move into FY24, you may recognize the number, the 1.4 million, if we look at how we finalized the budget through your approval and the school committee's approval in June, um, we landed at the 42 plus the 29 million, which is the Chapter 70 state aid, which is a familiar number to those who um, have paid attention uh, to that number. And then we looked at the, the fees, what we had in revolving, along with our grant funding, and that brings us to um, that total. Um, I'll pause for questions once we get through the first few slides and then we can open it up, okay? All right, so uh, I'll let uh, Dr. Dutch chime in on this, but basically we tried to model out if we were to fund and service um, what we currently have in place at Franklin Public Schools. So that's not adding anything that's been reduced previously, but just, just to carry forward and continue to conduct business, um, this is the amount that uh, we, would, we would need to fund based on everything that we have today. And we've, we've included in there some assumptions. Um, we know what, what the uh, salaries will be for next year, assuming everybody stays. Um, the supplies and materials, we put in a 2.5% increase. Health insurance, we're estimating a 6% increase. I don't know if that's accurate, Jamie. It's, um, it's close, but it's a good model number. Uh, and then our out-of-district tuitions, uh, we, we've been notified by uh, OSD that the increase would be 4.69% this year, which is fortunately less than 14% last year, but it's still a, a fairly significant number. So when you tally all that up, it brings us to, um, if we were level serviced, 81 million plus, in, plus some change. Uh, do you want to talk through this one? This sure. is the model. So we we looked at the uh, per pupil state average, which is nineteen thousand five hundred thirty-six dollars, and that's for FY twenty-two. Uh, and then we looked at our FY twenty-four per pupil average, which was fifteen thousand three hundred seventy-three, and that brings you to the seventy-one nine eighty-nine. If we were going to fund uh, the district at the state average per pupil expenditure, you can see we're almost $20 million behind uh, for the number of students that we have. And again, uh, to restate what the superintendent said, not an ask, we don't expect to be at that number, um, but just to, to give you an idea of how far uh, behind we are from the state average in total. And this is the same information over a longer period of time um, with the difference per pupil between the state average and Franklin. And I, and I guess what I would draw your attention to is that that number continues to increase with one, one year where there was a slight, a couple years where there's a slight dip in 19 and 20. Um, but you look at the difference in FY22 and it's almost $3,000. Uh, so hopefully we, we can stem that tide as we, as we move forward. 
So I'd like to just, this, this really gives you all three years in one place. Um, and again, it is looking at revenue and, and we've, we've made a prediction for FY25 based on the town administrator's presentation back on August 2nd. Um, so we, we are assuming a 2.5% increase and we're hopeful that, that that's a minimum. Um, and that 2.5% is on the total 71,989,601 because uh, that's where the, the, the appropriation comes from, but we still break it out by town appropriation in Chapter 78. We can assume that we'll continue to get $30 per pupil at 4,600 students plus or minus. Um, that, that gives us about $150,000 more in state aid. Revolving, you can see there's a decrease in FY25 from what we're contributing this year from our revolving accounts. That's $7 million that's being contributed this year. We'll deplete those accounts uh, to mostly zero. So the revenue you're seeing uh, against the budget for next year is all of the revenue that we anticipate to bring in this year. So we're, we're, we're not even looking at putting any away for a rainy day um, so that we can get to that bottom line number that, that would end up matching what you're seeing as a, a level service budget. Grants, um, we've seen a 5% decrease over time each year. Uh, we're gonna be aggressive about going after uh, private grants and competitive grants. Uh, so hopefully that number will be a little bit higher so you can see we're at 31,327 for all of our revenue. Well, if you think back to the previous slide of level service, we were at dollars So uh, pretty close. Um, Lucas, back to you. Okay. Just moving forward, um, this is not a comprehensive list, but this is just to continue this conversation and discussion around um, having a school system. And I've talked before about advocating for schools and wanting to provide the best possible program and experience that we can for our students and our families and for our community in our town. So if we were, this is just a model to show if we were to reinstate our middle school clubs, our late buses, um, re, re, uh, increase the supply allocations. We deleted, I'm sorry, not deleted, that's a, we reduced our school supply budgets across all 10 schools by 20%, 25% uh, and 20% at the high school. So this is just based on a 5% increase back of reinstatement. Um, bringing back curriculum committees that exist in different curriculum areas such as your science, math, English, and history, um, social studies. If we were to return a portion of our digital learning uh, integrationist, just as an example, our library media specialist, which we um, reduced at the high school level, if we were to bring back a high school and a um, secondary slash elementary complex um, position, we reduced a Spanish teacher to make that whole at the middle level. So I, I, this is just an example of if we reinstated cuts that were made in recent years. And this also incorporates into ESSER funding. Um, as you know, ESSER funding is going to run out. Um, what we have out in ESSER funding is the position, some counseling, FTE, um, interventionists at the elementary level, 
and a DEI coordinator position are in there. So uh, I was just at a meeting today with um, many superintendents in the state and, and everyone's trying to figure out how they can sustain um, the funding for some of those positions that were included um, and by bringing them into their budgets and it's certainly a balancing act across the state. With new initiatives, some of these may look familiar if you've been around long enough that they may have been cut so long ago we didn't want to call it a reinstatement because they've been gone for maybe many years. Um, this is not a comprehensive list but this is based on conversations with our administration um, over time through listening tours that I did at each of the schools last year and then in addition to um, some of the positions along the way so you'll see in here um, an investment in some of the curriculum materials across levels some positions it looks uh, you'll see some music uh, included uh, strings at the elementary level um, came up some of our in-district programming adding additional um, teachers to sustain uh, to, to, to have the support we need in some of those classes and then uh, some of these were part of the budget presentation that we gave in the spring but did not make it to the final list because of the funding um, but through the iteration through April and May and June these were things that were on the original proposal but then had come off along the way so um, these are some of the positions that are on there um, when you look at the Um, I'll, I can stop there. I can take questions, of course. Um, I was just missing one. To, to kind of draw your attention to the number, um, reinstating those positions that were cut would be about 2.4 million, and then new initiatives is another 2.1 million. So you're looking at about 4.5 million dollars um, to be where we would want to be as a district, uh, just so that you have a target. This also, this does not include, um, because we needed to do a deeper dive, um, just looking at special education. Um, it does account for um, some of the assumptions that we made with um, the O out of district. You saw that increase of 4.69%, but it doesn't account for the special education needs and services that we would need in school. That's uh, more detailed, and we certainly didn't want to spitball um, on, on, a, on a number. So this is not necessarily a comprehensive list, but we felt like we wanted to come back to the table today to just give a sense of some of the positions that have either been removed over time or um, are needed based on you know, what we've learned. And then um, I won't go through all these, but we added this as part of the document. It's just to go through where did some of those initiatives that are, would be reinstated or added come from. And this is a comprehensive list that we've put together and we've included in here. I know it's been in previous budget presentations as well, but it brings you back over the last 20 years to give you a sense. And um, we can stop there and take any questions. Thanks, Lucas. Yeah. Uh, there's, before I go to the uh, committee for questions, uh, there were just a few things that came to me at our last meeting and since our last meeting that I want to make sure that we uh, quickly talk about it. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I think that important to highlight is, uh, and you said so in your presentation, is because everybody asks, what's the status of the revolving accounts? Yeah. Uh, and what's the status going to be at the end of the year? And mm -hmm. you answered that you're basically spending, bringing your revolving accounts down to zero by the end of the year? Yes. Yes. So that when we start next year, it 
you'll be starting from basically zero. Is that correct? We'll be at zero. Well, we're spending what we had available. We're now bringing in additional revenue, which is what we're using to fund okay. in the future. And that's what that. That's what that $5.5 million the is. The 5.5 is what you expect to have for? At the end year. of this fiscal year for next year. Okay. <clears throat> Second piece is one of the things we talked about was looking at a five-year plan, mm -hmm. uh, not only from the municipal part of our government, but from the school part of the government. And I don't want people to get confused that this is a five-year plan. <laughs> uh, right. This is just the beginning of that. And uh, I guess just so people understand an approximate time frame mm -hmm. that you think it will be, and I know we're coming to an election and uh, seats are going to change, mm -hmm. and uh, they will, of course, be part of making those decisions right. as to what a five-year plan looks like. So I guess just so that everybody sitting here this evening, everybody on Zoom, everybody watching on TV <laughs> has an idea when we will be looking at both the municipal five-year plan and the school five-year plan. I would say this, it's not going to be tomorrow. Um, I think we do I'm need time. Sure I, I, I appreciate you mentioning some of the changes that we'll have in leadership um, across the board. And I think we need to make sure that we're um, working together and also have our school committee folks in place. We also, I think it's like side by side, we need to develop our budget for FY25 and then also have a longer range plan. We had uh, a little more detail that wasn't really appropriate to share tonight, but to look at, for example, when you look at curriculum, you don't buy all the curriculum in one year. You have to think about what's the capacity of our teachers to, to, to um, implement curriculum, to be trained. All of these things get staged out, um, and I think we need to um, prepare that at the same time. And we need to also involve not only our new school committee, our returning, but also our stakeholders and try to get a better and a clearer picture. So those numbers are not, these are not numbers that we're delivering today, but um, not delivering some information that gives you a sense of kind of where our minds are at, um, what didn't feel like it was appropriate to do. So I would say uh, we'll start our budget development process. Uh, we've already begun to get our, our ducks lined up on that. We'll continue in concert. I know that the town and Jamie, correct me if I'm wrong, I know that you um, work with department heads to get, you have a deadline for a timeline. Ours is a little staggered off of that. Um, so I would imagine that we would need uh, to get through the fall and into the winter, I think, to really get to a, a place where we have a solid number um, with a clear plan for what the return on investment on um, the budget and what those increases would look like and why. So I guess, just to identify, February, March, mm -hmm. April, uh, somewhere in that time frame, we should be able to look at five years out from both parts of our government. Uh, Mr. Chairman, yeah, I mean, I think, no, I think I'm, these two the forecast that was put out on August 2nd is a forecast. Right. I understand. Um, and that's, you know, I think part of the trouble here is is that the expense line items like the schools are, are 
frac you know small unless you're Brutus or DPW or facilities. So what people saw on August 2nd, unless some miraculous factor comes in and changes it, that's that model is what you're looking at. From the municipal Yeah. I mean if and, and the two and a half percent in there that I put as a placeholder for the school district has been that's been the percentage years right but in order to look at the future sure. we need to be looking out not at what we can fund in 25 right. but yeah. what we can continue to fund in 25 26 27 28 sure. and that's the right. goal that I'm that's trying the goal to get us to so that we understand what the need is for the community and we can get that information to the community mm -hmm. so they understand what the need really and truly is mm -hmm. okay i've said enough on that piece my last my last piece that i wanted to make sure i got out there i know the state's committed to between 17 and eighteen thousand dollars a student reimbursement for the schools uh, school age kids from the migrant families which is great news do you have any idea and I'm asking this for the audience to understand do you have any idea when you can see that money Good question. It came up last night in our school committee meeting as well. So um, uh, we've been told that their quarterly installments, I do not have any, um, I have not received any clear information on the due date or the deadline for that to occur. But what we do know is it's based on the number of students that you have enrolled in your district. They've put and communicated forth a, a formula to which you just mentioned, Tom. It's basically the number of students you have enrolled per day in your district, along with um, uh, a head count basically for each student that's enrolled so as I said at school committee last night we have approximately 40 students currently um, and we don't have any definitive time but what has been shared and expressed at the tri-county superintendents not to be confused with the school tri-county it's, it's the name of our regional superintendent group um, the we had a representative from the Department of Ed there um, who said that these are meant to be our plan to be in quarterly installments so um, as soon as I know more information I'll certainly share that but I don't have a definitive date I understood and I knew the answer but okay I think it's important for the audience to understand uh, that the information we're getting from the state isn't coming fast and furious it's coming slowly the other piece of that and this is my just a personal uh, question of concern. We figure out per pupil expenditure at roughly that number, which is what they're saying between 17 and 18. Does this, the money that the state is saying they're going to give the communities, does that account for interpreters or specialists that are needed to help educate these students and then my really foul ball is what if there is one of these students that is a special needs student 
weeks. Having been, in, having been involved in the schools yeah. many years ago, I know that that number can be astronomical. And the last I heard from the state is they put a number of $1,000 aside to handle any special request, which isn't nearly enough. And I guess, what do we do if that happens? So I, I could just start with just a broad answer, and then I can drill down to some of the specific questions you have. Uh, I've said this too, and I, I stand by this. You know, we ha we have a responsibility as a school district to educate the students that live within our the walls, the you know, not the walls, but the uh, the boundaries of our town, right? Regardless of their circumstances or background, and that's what we do. And we have some really um, high quality educators who are out there doing the good work. Um, we. Uh, the money that this, that we talked about, the state reimbursing, is meant to go the, to the direct benefit of educating students and what it takes to educate them. So the services supports are um, what that is intended to go towards um, for the reimbursement piece. That said, we've thoughtfully placed students where um, it made the most sense within the district. Transportation, challenging, but we've um, found ways to, to make that work to get kids to school, educate them, send them home. It's um, I can't answer the specific question about special education placement, but I know that um, the students who are enrolled, um, whether they're from the hotel or from a house or a rental within town, um, they're all, we, um, we approach the work uh, to support students the same way, regardless of, of that. So I don't have an answer on the special education piece. It's a good question. Um, but certainly I know that um, we consider these students along with all students as in, you know, Franklin High School students or Franklin Public School students who are attending, and that's how we've just approached the work. Okay, I'll take some time off. Uh, please. I have just some questions around the math. Um, coming from the Finance Committee, obviously that's where my brain goes first. So the budget for FY23 was 77.986. It increased just over three million to for FY24 to 81.139. And that included cuts. So there was whatever, baseline support plus, well, it's not baseline, you cut off approximately two million, which was a whole bunch of the things that you went through, the middle schools, the clubs, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. late buses. I'm surprised that FY25 essentially is flat, 81. Like, I don't understand how you, to be level from FY23 to FY24, you would have needed $5 million and then like additional, but then only from 24 to 25, you don't need anything additional. I'm just, I'm surprised by that. The projection we gave was just based on the, the current right. folks that we have moving forward. So it wasn't um, adding, that was just a model to a show. Level services. But yes. we're not gonna get any more students, right? So it's like, presumably, like I just don't get how we needed five million to go from year one to year two, and then to go from year three to year four. Like we don't need it, like I'm just surprised by that. We, we didn't model out, um, project out for this particular meeting. We did, I didn't think that was the, the charge, but to model out um, the need. I guess I want to make sure I understand the question, so we... Oh, well, I'm just, yeah. well, I know, and again, yeah. this is but this is baseline, right? Yeah. So if you get from this year to next year, mm -hmm. you're saying, ah, revenue, like, we need about the same amount of money. And again, you want, a deal, you want 4.5 4. million more to impact everything you've cut along the way. But I'm just surprised that there's just been this increase in cost of just it just costs more money, It's it, and then this year baseline is the same. I, I'm, I'm not getting that. I just, I don't understand 
why it's not another increase because that's what we've seen year over year of just to do the same level of service that we're currently doing next right. year. You're telling me it's going to cost the same amount of money, is what the chart said. Oh. Am I reading that right? Because it was 81139 this year, 81171 next year. Oh, well. So that's what I'm confused about. Like, what am I missing? Because I know that the situation is, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is more dire than that, and that's not what these numbers are saying. I think if you focus on the, the appropriation from the town, um, that's where that's the budget number that the school committee votes. Those additional numbers represent revenue that we use towards additional expenses beyond that budget, like grant positions, some positions that are grant funded and whatnot. So that's why you're you're seeing a little bit. You know, the difference between the two budgets from FY23 to FY24 are the 71,989 from FY23 was 70,220,000. And then if you look at FY25, it's projected at 73,789. So it is still, it's the differences are in the revenue pieces that are contributing to those things that we pay for outside of the budget that the school committee appropriates. Got it. I'm just surprised that the total pool stays the same. Yeah. Um, I, again, it's partly because of where the revenue is, where the, where the dollars are coming from and the decrease. If we, if we level funded the revenue from FY24 to FY25, you'd see an increase of $83 million, up to $83 million. So you would, you would see that increase again of $2 million plus. Got it. Okay. And then maybe I was just confused by the language because I thought you were saying to get the same level of services, we, it would cost us about $81 million. Yeah. And the, the way this is presented is different than you've seen it in the past. You've only, you haven't seen the bottom half of these tables, mm -hmm. grants and Contract. revenue. Yeah, only you've on only the seen the school committee allocation. What, what we wanted to try to, or I wanted to try to represent was what are we really spending? Which I think is important because that's ultimately the money that you need, and if you don't get it from one place, we need to get, get it from, from somewhere else. Correct. Yeah, I'm just probably, again. Okay, I I understand. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Natalie. Dave. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, uh, Lucas and Bob, thank you very much for putting this information together. Um, this is fantastic. And Jamie, thank you as well for um, the information. Um, the question that came to my mind and it seemed like you kind of answered that later on was taking a look at that um, that difference in the per pupil expenditure of what we're doing versus the, the state average mm -hmm. you mentioned that there's a roughly 20 million dollar difference and you know the first thing that came to my mind is what's the, the real world cost to our students in not in that 20 million dollar deficit but then towards the end of the presentation Please correct me if I'm wrong. You kind of answered that in terms of the positions that have been cut over the last 20 years that haven't been reinstated and where we aspire to be, the things that we've recently cut to be reinstated, as well as new initiatives that have that would come from the things we've cut over the past 20 years. So is that is that a correct way to interpret that? That this is kind of the real world cost of that 20 million difference? Yes. Yeah, one, one of the things we, we thought about doing but 
thought it better to, to hold off was to, to take a look at what's the cost to students and to the educational system if we, we don't do all the things that we, we put as we, we aspire to. So that we could kind of not so much quantify it, but, but give you some concept of what the return on investment might be um, if we were to include those items in the budget or, or not. Um, and, and then ultimately, what's what's the impact on student learning? Yeah, absolutely, that absolutely makes sense. Um, so you, know, you put together quite a comprehensive list from 2003 to, to the present, so thank you for that. Have, have any of these positions in the past 20 years that have been reinstated throughout any of that time, or do we have, can we say? Um, I would have to go back and look um, to see over time. I know when you think about classroom positions, certainly, you know, if it's, but um, I would have to really take a look at some of the positions that we, we have cut to see what's come back. But I think we've been on track to try to, to, meet, to meet the number we've been able, as a district, what's been voted, what's been afforded to try to move forward. And it's led, it's, it's resulted in cuts along the way. Um, and we, this is, we're building this. I think you hit, Mr. Mercer, you talked about building out. Um, what does this look like out over five years? Um, we're not interested in performance or shock or anything like that, but tried to put where are we at at this point? What have we quantified and what have we looked at and tried to build as part of the, the bigger conversation on where we are. So um, I, I don't have the direct answer on which piece, which things have been brought back. Okay. But based on the, the aspirational um, slide of this, I'm in part to assume that probably most things haven't been reinstated. And I understand it's more nuanced than that because mm -hmm. population populations change and we have, there's different needs. But is that a correct assumption that overall most things probably haven't been reinstated? Correct. Okay. Thank you. Um, and yeah, because I noticed on here there's you know, a lot of you know a lot of educator position educator positions, um, a lot of curriculum positions, a lot of extra support positions, and uh, yeah, those have direct impacts on just the, the educational experience that we're providing, it's like across the board, as well as educational outcomes both throughout a student's time in Franklin, as well as after, afterwards, right? And that's really what we're, what we're looking at here, that's been common. Correct, and I think that's where, when we looked at, uh, if you recall from the presentations in the past. Um, we purposely didn't add slides because we tried to keep this to like 10, just for the purposes of tonight. But we talked about um, a student. We put up some student profiles and the types of students and what types of uh, adults interact with those students and educate them. So it's a classroom teacher. It could be a special education teacher. It could be a multilingual teacher um, uh, after school. It could be a coach. It could be a, an instructional coordinator who's leading that team. So we tried to encompass in a few of those examples, if you recall, it was like an elementary, a middle school student, a high school student, to try to look at and, and, and describe some of the folks that are involved. And I think that is where, over time, we've tried to preserve positions and add pieces that we see having value. You may recall last year from the school committee meeting when we added intervention at the elementary level to um, help our students who are struggling with math, for example. Our math specialists like look at the data and then determine where kids are. And if we can provide some intervention in the moment and a specific key concept, we can bring those kids right back into class and, and work um, within the teacher. So that's an example. That's an investment, and that's a cost 
but at the end of the day, it's, it's keeping students current. We're trying to close the gap from um, COVID and from, from when we, um, we had students learning remotely for a period of time to try to close those skill gaps. But that's a very specific example. We would love to continue that moving forward and look to expand that even to the middle level. Um, when we look at our writing and um, literacy, the skills our students need, it's not enough, to, it, it can't fall on the backs of just teachers. You need folks who are coordinating and training and working to identify and intervening with kids on a variety of levels to, um, to make sure that they're um, making the progress and closing the gaps on some of those pieces. So um, those are examples of, they don't show up when you look at um, like a classroom and you have 21 kids in the class. Those are the positions you don't think of, um, but you think about when, when, you're, when you're looking at enrollment and building classes and building a schedule for a school. Absolutely. Thank, thank you for that. And mm -hmm. To kind of follow up on that point, uh, last night at our school committee, we you know, had a discussion around um, ECDC, and mm -hmm. we had a, you know, what I thought was a very informative and productive discussion on how early intervention, you know, the early intervention services that we provide, the support service we provide at ECDC actually reap benefits later on down the line by allowing the students to get the support they need earlier on mm -hmm. to then again, not have as high needs later on as they progress through finding a public school system that could be you know, cost um, cost effective in terms of the you know, social emotional supports that may, they may not otherwise need, or particularly if it comes to special education services, not having to go out of district in order to receive those services if we're able to provide that, those supports earlier on. So um, kind of to what you were just saying, and to that point as an example, is it accurate to say that some of the things that we're not reinstating, not investing in, have both a, you know, a student development cost, but also a, a true monetary cost because they are investments? Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Councilor Chandler. Quickly through you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I couldn't have said it better. You had all my points. I, I think as counselors, maybe we get certain emails that these other um, groups don't get. but. Um, Quickly, one Franklin, thank you for showing up. Um, we appreciate that, and we know you're watching. I'm sure you have uh, Lucas's back. Thank you. Um, lastly, just to get a sense of things, as Jamie said, um, Assistant Superintendent uh, Ms. Rogers stated that for new students, we do an appropriate screening process, and we receive records that we will decide additional staff. All right, so we talked about that $104, mm -hmm. hopefully being enough, but I mean, with the language barrier, and I'm gonna go out on a limb and say no records, how are you actually figuring out, are we just winging it and we're probably gonna go over? I'm just being honest, like are we gonna, yeah. cause we're down 270 already in, in um, new growth. <coughs> You're gonna need more money. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I think you ask any, any department that I think you might hear. Do you heard that? Did we get that on record? No, just kidding. Yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> right, but I just I just want to speak to we we certainly don't wing it. Um, we have systems in place. We've been screening students who enter our district for a very long time, um, and I, I mean I've been around for 20 years, and we've been screening kids effectively to determine what they need and placing them with the appropriate folks. The 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 key of this is having the people you need 
to provide the level of service you need for all the students that we have within the district. So that's a that's a continued challenge we, we have, we face every year and we'll continue to. But I do think, yes, we will, we will need to. Um, yes. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I'll yeah. uh, just a pet peeve of mine. Yeah. Every school presentation I've seen over the last yeah. 10 years always references the state average. Is there a way to average districts that look like us? I mean, in that state yeah. average is province now. I think they spend $41,000 a student and Gosnold yep. of Mount Washington, oh, the hinterlands, yeah. that spends 12 bucks. Is there a way to, or do we, have we looked at that? Yes, sir. That would make more sense to me. Okay, we can share that with you. We have it in our, um, the FinCom presentation and in the school committee presentation. We put the Hockamock League um, as local districts that are within our area, um, as an example. You've got Needham's and Wellesley's and uh, not, well. Yeah, but you, I understand your point, Mr. Conley. Um, we have the Hockamock League, um, but certainly if there's, in the future, for future presentations, as particularly maybe next FinCom or whatever, whenever we need to, we can look to grab some comparable districts. Um, there's a, there's an analysis done through the state. There's, dart districts they're called um, oftentimes they look at demographics and size and they try to compare districts and um, we can I know that's been presented in different ways but um, I'll be sure to key in on that um, when we present that so that we're looking at the same thing does that make sense yeah yep so we're looking at similar size sure similar student size, uh, yep. and we have that and I think if you look at the um, the FinCom presentation from last year you'll see the Hockamock schools as an example just to start that conversation that's okay. Thanks, George. Anybody else on the committee before I go to the audience? Just one, just to thank you all so much for uh, all the, the presentations uh, in front of us. So just to kind of make sure I'm understanding everything, uh, kind of just big picture with looking at like that five-year forecast. So I know when we first met, uh, we were already kind of looking at the red. At about like 220k, you know, deficit, uh, just with a two and a half percent increase. As we, you know, kind of kicked off some cheery news about new growth, uh, you know, some more deficits there, and um, and uh, you know, Jamie, you know, I'm a big fan of Todd Franklin. Uh, it's Zach and Taylor Swift as I drive into work. <laughs> and, uh, and in one of the, the meetings, they kind of put a price tag of, you know, the hotel tax, the loss of that, if it, if it comes around. And hopefully that's, that's still coming, but potentially, you know, maybe like $200,000. So there's a chance that just looking towards, you know, next year, which originally on August 2nd was, was looking not too terrible. Um, you know, back at the envelope math, it could be a deficit of like almost like like three hundred, you know, about seven hundred thousand um, dollars. So, again, you know, uh, Superintendent Garrett, mm -hmm. I really appreciate you know everything that we kind of have here, uh, and just kind of looking at you know a two and a half percent increase, where would that look? But even that two and a half percent might not be realistic, right? If we're looking at three quarters of a million dollar deficit. Um, you know, the school being about you know, 50, 55% of the, the total operating budget, it's likely to assume we're going to be taking hits from that deficit. Is that Jamie, through you, Mr. Chairman, I, I would, 
your, your back of the napkin math is, is pretty good, Dave. I mean, I, I, I think where you're going, I'm seeing heads bob that are familiar with the budget from finance committee members. You know, that's, that's an accurate statement. What I wouldn't want to do is prescribe, we're still six to eight months away from that. Um, so I wouldn't want to necessarily say that there would be any, any reductions. I mean, I think that's what the budget development process is for, is to kind of weed out, you know, anything that we may not need. Um, you know, and, and I think the superintendent, the school committee, and the council, and myself are trying to trim little things down. Um, through the budget process, the department heads know. I say, if you don't need it, don't spend it. Don't think you just have a free way to go here. You really have to justify you know, the expenditures of whatever contract you're doing, or even small things. Particularly with facilities and DPWs, probably the bigger concerns of mine, because as we know, those are the big cost drivers. Um, my bigger concern is really, my bigger concern is, I mean, that's a concern, but I feel like through health insurance negotiations, maybe some other ways we can find ways creatively through the years, um, you know, the school administration and the town administration and finance teams and HR teams are meeting on a bi-weekly basis, um, improving communication to try to work these things out. And I would hope to believe that we can creatively come up with some ways to ensure that they're, the model that was up there in August, you know, is something that we can really hang our hat on. My bigger concern is the overwhelming wish list of things that people want in addition to what we're talking about. Level service for the schools does not include a Remington Jefferson remodel. It does not include money for Parmenter to, to fix Parmenter. It does not include any other strategic facilities requests. It does not include a police station. It does not include any other net zero goals, any other climate change activity, anything else that people want. I say this over and over again because people in the community have a lot of great ideas and they have a lot of spirit and they're communicating that through our elected representatives, which is exactly what they should do. <laughs> but I have to be that guy, or the, I guess the skunk of the party, to just caution everybody that we are not building bleachers at the high school next month. We're not redoing RJ next year. Like, it, this stuff is, is in, when you don't stay on top of these things, they are going to get more and more costly, as I think everybody knows. And so while level service is there, and I appreciate um, all of the data that was thrown up, I just need to make sure my bigger concern is about managing the expectations of the public about what they want to see out of us is, is a financial price tag that is probably never going to, to amount to anything anytime soon. If we were to plug in debt service numbers like I did in that presentation, people saw the deficits that I put in there in FY 26, 27, 28, and forward, and, and forward on, right? So um, while FY 25, Dave, could be you know, of a concern based on what you just said, and you're 100% right with the back of napkin map, um, and I hope there'd be some creativity between now and then, and we could hopefully get through that. The bigger issue is really looking down the road how is the town going to finance all of these capital improvements, curriculum improvements, yep. right? Vans, ovens. I mean, I could just go on and on about the infrastructure that we have baked in. And I think there's got to be some hard conversations in the community about where those priorities lie. Is there any areas of fat that could be cut off? Um, and whether or not we have to make some systemically challenging decisions. This also does not include, as I articulated in the last presentation, ours, Collective bargaining is up in a year. 
So we're back at the table with all of our major unions in the year. So, um, you know, after FY25, I should, I should say. Um, so, um, you know, looking down the road a little further is, is bigger cause for concern about those big projects. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, appreciate that. Thank you, Dave. Is there, we're getting a little short of time, uh, only because of our delay in the middle. Is there anyone in council chambers that has a question? Name and address, please. My name is Maxwell Marangello, of course, Lloyd's. I'm always, this time I'm too tall. My name is Maxwell Marangello. I live at two, uh, 127 uh, Central Park Terrace. I just wanted to respond to um, some of the com one of the questions earlier about uh, comparing the towns uh, per pupil, uh, the per pupil expenditure based on compar comparable towns. I actually did an analysis uh, with Franklin Matters, and one of the smaller points on that interview was um, the factors that uh, uh, affect per pupil spending. Uh, one of them that I mentioned was the fact that as a town, we have a higher percentage of our, of our, our population that are school-aged children. So as a percentage of a tax base, we have to spread that money out over more kids, and that's stressing our, our, our school system. Because uh, you have the same amount of people, but you have more kids. <laughs> So that's, that's one problem. The other, the other thing in terms of comparable towns that I found um, differs in between the towns is, of course, the amount of income per, per capita income that the town has. Wealthier towns are gonna spend more on their kids, um, as well as their equitized, equalized value, is that? Equalized. Equalized value per capita. Places with more property and more property values also spend more on their kids. If you account for those three things, you could predict 70% of the variance of, of per pupil spending, of what the town spends per pupil. The other thing I just want to throw in there is that also my analysis showed that about 4%, um, if you control for um, the amount of per, per pupil uh, capita, per capita income in the town, you could do a very good job of predicting uh, each town's tax rate. Um, so if you control for that, you sort of, all the towns kind of, you can compare across towns. And if you could do that, you could find, uh, our tax rate compared to other towns after you control for per capita income is about 4% lower than average. Uh, so I think if you want just the average, a good target would be 4%, uh, 4% um, if you wanted to bring us up to average. Um, so I invite you all to check out Franklin Matters and, and see my podcast on there. I'm happy to share that document with you. There's also some handy calculators on the spreadsheet. If you actually download the, 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 the spreadsheet and open it in Excel and edit it, there's actually, you can plug in, you know, oh, maybe we have less kids, or maybe a higher population, or maybe our income's different. And you can play around with it and it'll actually change the numbers. So I invite you to do that. Thank you. Thank you, Max. Uh, I see a couple of hands up on Zoom. Uh, Heather. So, Mr. Chairman, yeah. um, I have to interject for Heather. I'm sorry, Heather. Oh, I just if you speak, it, it's a it's and it's an open meeting law. I'm very sorry. You'll have plenty of time, to but you can't actually ask any questions here because she's the fifth member of the finance committee. Uh, so you'd have to post the oh. meeting. So Heather can't. Yep, it's part of the learning curve of uh, government, Heather. Uh, I'm sure you can email email me the question. Um, you're on the side or wait for the finance committee. I just didn't want that to be your opening. There's a few counselors sitting out in the uh, council chambers as well. Yeah. Uh, they can't yeah. ask they questions. 
I know, it's a quite interesting. Uh, there was another All right, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. There was another hand up. Selena. 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 Hey everybody. Can you hear me? Yes, yeah. we can. Super. Um, I'm Selena Cousin, 114 Beach Street. Thank you so much for all the information you put together. It looks like a lot of work on Jamie and um, Lucas's um, workload, and I really appreciate all the time that you must have put into that. Um, and um, the business manager, too. Sorry, I forget your name, but thank you. One thing I wanted to point out is a parent of a high schooler and a junior high, uh, you know, middle schooler, soon to be high schooler, one of the, the ways of, of sort of comparing our schools and what's been happening over the course of the past few years, you know, I'm looking at the US News and World Report's rankings of public high schools in Massachusetts. And even if we only go back five years, we've fallen 20 points, meaning from like 2019 to 2023, we've gone from being ranked the 69th best public high school in Massachusetts we're now at the 88th best public high school in Massachusetts. And I just fear, you know, I know it's, it's probably less predictable, but I, I assume those numbers will continue to drop over the next five years in a similar fashion if we don't make big changes. And when we look at, um, you know, we mentioned the Hockamock area and the, the, the towns that are near us. Currently, towns that have high schools, public high schools ranking better than Franklin include surrounding towns of Rentham, Norfolk, Plainville, for King Philip, Millis, Medway, Medfield, Hopkinton, Holliston, Hopedale, North Attleboro, Mansfield, Foxborough, Menden Upton, which is Nipmuc, Ashland, and Westwood. The only abutting towns I found that were ranked worse than our Franklin High School were Milford and Bellingham. And I think we have to keep those kind of, that kind of data in our heads, it might, might not be the, the financial data that we can actually, you know, predict with specifics and, and financial, how it affects us financially, but it's gonna affect where kids get, get accepted to colleges. It's gonna affect our housing rates. It's gonna affect, you know, how many parents say enough is enough and I'm going to a public, uh, private high school. And so I just wanted to make sure that, that we're sort of seeing that part of the picture too, especially when I see those, what if we don't do anything for the next five years and when we start like that, I, I get really concerned about the future of our um, high school graduates. Thank you. Thank you, Selena. Okay, please. There's a name and address, please, Ruth. Hi, everyone. Uh, Ruthanna Sullivan from 175 Oak Street. Um, I just want to be really quick and I just want to, because it was brought up a couple times tonight about the migrant situation and um, I just want to be caution everybody because I think that the community who may not be as plugged into what's been happening since, you know, Dr. Berger was chair and for years um, the school's been concerned about the budget, I don't want the public to be sort of scapegoating the migrant kids. And I don't think that's your intention at all. I just think it's something that we need to worry about because the funding coming from the state, we need to make sure it's coming and, and whatnot. But um, I, I just wanna, I just ask for kind of grace around that topic, uh, I guess. It's like, just so that it doesn't get perceived um, by the public because I don't want 
I don't want people rising up against the Tri-County vote. I don't want people rising up against the migrants because they think that it's somehow impacting the school budget. So these things are, are important. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, uh, we are running out of time here. I will, uh, I will say as we look forward to our next uh, meeting, again, uh, we have an election coming up, so there'll be new people. It'll take a little bit to get them maybe on board. I think I would look to maybe January, uh, sometime in January, having another joint budget uh, subcommittee meeting uh, where we'll be a little further ahead, uh, have some more information, and I promise everyone that I will schedule it on a night that there is not another meeting following so that we have plenty of time and we're not up against the clock to uh, maybe not get everybody's question answered. Although, everybody who raised their hand, and uh, everybody on the committee and everybody in Zoom, we did get to, but I think uh, allowing more time would be helpful and I know it's a hindrance on our administrative people for coming out an additional night but I think it's it's such an important part of what we need to be looking at moving forward that we need to take that time and and spend it I want to thank everybody for coming out this evening uh, thank the committee people Thank one Franklin, I know you're up and running, you're doing a great job, and I hope that these joint budget subcommittee meetings helps one Franklin to help get the message to the community so that they understand what the needs are. And that's our plan as we move forward. And with that, I would entertain a motion to adjourn. Motion to adjourn. Second. Non-debatable. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Thank you. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.